Father, we just thank you, Lord God, of what you're doing around the world. We are not the only church, Lord God. The church of God is the people of God meeting in homes, in bars, Lord God, underground, in, uh, in closets, Lord God, in all sorts of places, Lord. Uh, some in hiding, some wide open, some in beautiful buildings, Lord God. But the church of God is your people in community, living out Christ for their community, Lord God. And I pray right now we remember our brothers and sisters, Lord God, who are suffering, Lord God, who are going through hard times, but they are bold in their faith, still seeking after you, still believing that Jesus, that you can change everything, even their circumstances right now. So let's, we pray to you in, in that, Lord God, understanding, Lord God, that you can change our circumstances even right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
lift your voice. You are worthy. church i mean secret church and so the reason we do this is um just because we want to reflect um and be thankful that we can come in this place and that uh, we can worship with freedom because there are people across this world that cannot um so it just holds a dear place in my heart because um as I think about just the places that I've had the privilege to go where maybe people don't even have a Bible in their language. Um, when I was able to go to Malawi when I was like 20, um, they were just then um, translating the Bible into their language. And so these people, they're like, they're going to, they're leaving their village, they're leaving their families for like a whole year to learn more about God because they don't even have a Bible to where they can learn it where they live. And so they leave their families for a year to go to a Bible college that they've built in Malawi and to learn about God so they can take it back to the rest of their village. And, um, and so many times, I mean, people will walk for six hours to get to their church service and whatever that might be. It might be a hut, it might be somewhere underground it might be a secret place. And um, so today, and uh, every Thanksgiving, this is why we do this. It's just for us to be so thankful that we have this place, that we have this Shadow Ridge cafeteria, but that we can come here and that we can meet together and that we can worship our God in freedom. That we can worship our God without hiding, without, without feeling like we might be killed when we walk out of these doors. And so I just want us to worship in that way today, for us to reflect in that way today. Um, because we are so blessed. And sometimes even myself, I can, I can take it for granted, right? I'm like, oh, I gotta get up again. I gotta like help unload this crazy truck again. Like, gotta set up 50 lanterns again, you know, or whatever it is. But um, 
today, let's be thankful for this place and um, the freedom that we have to worship um, a God who freed us from our sins and um, the freedom that we have to worship with people right next to us. And um, so I just want us to reflect on that. And I wanted to share just two short, short stories. just help us to just worship with everything within us and even to just listen to John as he speaks to us today in a, in a different way um, for us to just open our hearts just even more today to hear what God has to say and this first story it just talks about in North Korea Christians meet in small groups in homes or in remote areas like forests and mountain caves they dare not sing above a whisper for being discovered by police Nowhere in the world is Christian persecution so fierce. Christians have to hide their faith. Christian parents can't even share their beliefs with their children until they're old enough to understand the dangers. Owning a Bible could get you killed or sent you to a harsh labor camp. Despite the risk, the church is standing firm and there are an estimated 400,000 believers. That, that should challenge us in itself, right? <laughs> and then there's one more story, and it's about a little boy that's 14 years old. And uh, he lives in Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia. This sprawling nation is home to the largest, largest Muslim population in the world. Joshua and his family are very much a minority. They're followers of Jesus and are completely surrounded by a strongly passionate Islamic neighborhood. Joshua and his family do church together in secret in their home. For fear of their neighbors hearing them sing to Jesus and harming them, they worship in silence, but their hearts shout out praise to God. They often stand and sing something like Amazing Grace, each knowing when the song starts and ends. And ever so often, him and his family get to take a trip away from their community and meet with other Christians. And you can imagine just how good the worship times are then. And so I just wanted us to reflect on that, that... um. Even sometimes when you come to church and you don't know the words or they're on a piece of paper, which you should have it, um, just worshiping God with freedom. And that looks like however that looks like for you. I'm not trying to tell you how to worship, but I am just so grateful that my children can be in a gym and be learning about God instead of me being able to hide what I know is true in my life. Um, the God that I know that has come through so many times, that sometimes he doesn't come through, but still knowing he has a plan, but knowing that my children can learn about God in my home and in this place. And um, I think that should just challenge us today, amen? So let's just sing together. You have the words and... Um, it's like a mixed up version of Amazing Grace, um, so you'll know part of it. And let's just worship God today. All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy.
Is 
just meditate on those words, I was lost, but now I'm found. If that means something to you in this place this morning, that you're, you're a Christian and you've had your life changed, just remember the, that moment. Everybody's got a moment in their life where they were lost and they're found. Uh, and I want you just to remember that. Just, just picture it as the instruments keep playing. Just picture that moment where maybe you're lost this morning. And I hope that throughout this service we can show you how to be found and find life. Amen. But I want us to just worship for just a moment. It doesn't have to be big, demonstrative, hands up in the air, going crazy worship. But even this moment, just even in your heart, which is the most important, that even if you guys are on cameras this morning or if you guys are online watching us, anybody who's in here and you're working, just take a moment and pause, the worship team, everybody included, and just consider being found by God, that I was lost, purposeless, void, whatever it may be in that moment, God, that you came into my life and utterly changed everything about my, my trajectory, my path. last time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Come on, sing it. The saved a wretch like me. Yes. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. God, we thank you for this morning. God, I can feel your presence, God, tuned into your station right now, God. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would change hearts right now, God, that you would speak to us in words that just transcend our own thinking, that, that it would just be spirit to spirit, God, that we be moved in this place today, God, that we change and, God, go closer to you. We pray that there be an encounter this morning of Jesus in this place, God, that we be forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. I hope everyone's doing well. Say hi to the neighbor next to you. Just say, how's it going? If you don't know who they are, meet a, meet a new person or, meet a, or say hi to an old face. Hi, Tina. I like what we were singing about worthy. Do you guys know what that word worthy means? I was thinking I need some more I need some more instruments. John will keep playing for me. Worthy. That they're um I was thinking about uh going to a restaurant. How many times do we, we put worth on something, don't we? We put worth on uh a restaurant we might go to. And uh for me, if I'm gonna go eat Mexican food for instance, uh Taco Bell is not worth it to me. Even though you can eat for two dollars and forty seven cents. It's still not worth it, right? It's like, I'm, I have dollars in my pocket, and I'm going to give you something, and that is not worthy of, of actual food. And so uh, I will go to a real Mexican restaurant, um, like uh, Three Margaritas. No, I'm just kidding. 
is that a step up? Yeah, it's a step up, but uh, like an actual restaurant in like a, you know, a, a de in the Denver area. So a real authentic uh, restaurant where the tacos are actually small. Amen. Um, the real tacos. But I was just thinking about that, that worth. And, I, and is, is Hill City, Jeremiah, is it worth it to you? Are we a church that's worthy of you guys to come here? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You know, I don't know if I said preaching to the choir in church before. So I just wanted to say that. But, you know, kind of preach the choir. You guys are all here. But are we worth it to you? Do you guys like this place? I'm not asking you to. It's a little bit rhetorical. I'm getting some head nods. So thank you. At least it's like you're not shaking no. But you're here, right? You find worth in this place. And is God ultimately, at, at the end of the day, when John and I and the team, we lead this place, we want to make it worth it. But ultimately, we want to drive you to a place where you say God is worthy. That ultimately, we're a place, we're an instrument to lead you to a God that is worthy. A God that changes life, that he does what he says, and his truth is his truth. And we stand on that. Amen? Amen? All right. And Thanksgiving, last thing I'll say. Thanksgiving, man, can I just say Christians should be the best at giving thanks? This week, man, give thanks better than anybody because we have eternity. If, if, can we have a good theology about eternity and the rest of our lives and what the, what the rest of our, what, what eternity looks like? And with that, how can we not give thanks? So you guys can come forward and we're going to continue in our thanksgiving. Operative word there and thanksgiving is giving. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to continue on with uh, Pastor John and our message. So thank you, God, for this church. I thank you for Hill City. We do this thing, God. We serve, we worship, we love, we preach. We do all these things on a Sunday morning, God, for our community, for the people to come into the house of God and find you. And ultimately, we do it, God, because you are worthy, just like Tino and the team were worshiping, God. You are worthy, God, and our life is for your pleasure. So, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We don't just say those words, God, but we turn it into action. And God, be in this place as you already are here. We're so grateful that we get to worship this morning in freedom. And um, God, we give thanks. We give thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Man, a lot of things are going through my mind right now. So uh, I, don't know, I don't know what you're going to get here. Just throw that out there. I hope that every time, uh, if you're a Christian, every time you... You hear the words amazing grace, how sweet that sounds. That was written by a man who, who found, finally understood the beauty of grace, that God still loved him, even through all the things, all the harsh things that he did with his life. And I, I pray that no matter where you are today, God's grace is amazing. We're not amazing. God's grace is amazing. And uh, when we find ourselves found in God's grace, I hope that there is a, a response to that. It's, when, you, when you find a treasure, I hope there's a response to that, right? It's not like you find the treasure and you're like, all right, that's cool. All right, that was, that was nice. Oh, thank you for giving me whatever. Uh, whatever our treasures is. A lot of our treasures is money, right? Thanks for giving me a, a million dollars. Like, uh, you know, you give them a handshake. Thanks for giving me that house. Has anyone ever given you a house, right? Yeah? Yeah. Somebody? Yeah. If someone has given you a house, even if it was like a grandparent or something, it kind of freak you out, right? I remember when I was a kid, uh, I, I worked with this man. His name was Daryl Wong, and he was a uh, low-voltage electrician. So I was an electrician apprentice. And, and if you know uh, my handyman skills, it's not very good. 
You, you, you should laugh because it's horrible. Candace uh, always says to me, and I think I take it negatively. She, she says, John, you're good at a lot of things, but being a handyman, you are not. <laughs> and I am not. But I remember working with him, and he was working at this man's house, and he was restoring his house with him, and he was paying him to restore his house in San Francisco. So this house was worth probably $1.5 or $2 million. And he was restoring his house, restoring the stairs. So we were in there all the time restoring. And this man one day turned around and said, God told me to give you this house, Daryl. And I was like, what in the world? Like, God, can you tell someone to give me a house? <laughs> uh, but he, he gave up this house. In, and if you know a property in San Francisco, I, it was a, probably right now, it's probably $2.5 million, $3 million house now. But he gave it to him like, just here, here we go. And I didn't think that existed. <laughs> That when God spoke to a man uh, directly, that they would respond in such an radical way. And I was just like, this is nuts. So I started praying for a house ever since then. No, but I, I, I was just thinking, like, that God does uh, miraculous things. And one of the most miraculous things that he has done and he has chosen to do is his church. He has created this thing from the book of Acts, the church of Christ, where uh, it's people who are responding to what Jesus has done on the cross. And if you were back in the day, imagine you were back in the day under persecution where, uh, where Nero had the Nero circus and he was finding Christians. He was blaming Christians for the fall of Rome. I believe it was uh, 100 or 70, between 70 and 100 A.D., right? The fall of Rome, and Nero was blaming Christians. So can you imagine if you were a Christian, you were hiding underground, right? We're all hiding under the houses, and we're quietly praying, as many Christians do today. And, and, and then someone would come in and say, one day, one day, the Caesar and Rome itself will worship Jesus. 300 years from now, Rome will be a Christian country. Can you imagine saying that to someone who just lost their father or mother or under heavy persecution? They'd be like, you're an idiot. There's no way that Rome will ever follow Jesus. We are the slaves. We are the, you know, we, Rome is this, this ultra powerful thing and we're just slaves. We're just hiding out in, 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 these, uh, in, these, uh, in these slave quarters. There is no way that, that Rome will ever be a Christian nation. And guess what? 300 years from that moment where the church started, uh, the, the Rome became a Christian nation. I can go through all that, how they became it and how God moved inside plagues and hard times that, and, and, and that Christians started hospitals, that they would give up their own lives during the, the worst plagues. They would allow Roman citizens to live with them and they would, they would take care of them even to their own demise. And, and, the, and the Roman people that would survive and all the rich people left Rome during that time. And the people that survived under Christian care, under the servant care, said this is a real thing. This is a real thing. And Rome itself began to be transformed. But imagine if you were one of them sitting in a house underground lit by candlelight. And someone told you one day Caesar himself would worship God. You would say there is no way. There is no way. And I'm just saying there's a lot of things in our life that we say there is no way, right? God, you can't do that. That's, that's an impossibility. But I just want to start out that all things are possible in Christ. That God has not called us to just, uh, just to live a normal life. God has called us to be a part of something that's so much greater than us. And I was thinking that today there are people all around the world in, in, in churches in, in homes, in secret locations, worshiping Jesus. Just think about that. 
just like you worshiped Jesus today, there's people around the world. And, and, and people, and, and church is not a building, let me tell you that. It, it, is, it is the people, people who believe they're a part of something much larger than themselves, people who trust God in the face of danger, people who choose Jesus above all else. That's the church. Did you know right now, in, in the history of the world, the biggest move of God is happening right now. More Christians are being saved right now than ever before in the history of the world. Over in Africa and in Asia and in China. I know in the Western world, uh, um, uh, people who believe in God is fading, but people, uh, people in all, everywhere else in the world, people who believe in Christ is growing, is growing. So take heart, take heart. See, and, and, and it's so crazy. Believers are meeting in hostile territories and they're growing there, not in this place where we have freedom of, uh, of faith. Isn't that wild? So if you have your Bibles, and just think about this, not everyone has their Bibles. Not, not everyone has their Bibles on their phones. But if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 10. <laughs> yeah. We celebrate the Word of God here because we believe the Word of God reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. And that's it. Jesus changes our lives. I'm going to read uh, to you from uh, the message. And uh, I don't normally do this, but I love how the message communicates these verses and I'm going to read to you. It's uh, Matthew 10, 5 to 9. It says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin, and this, is, uh, and this is Jesus sending out the 70. Jesus says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. He says, go to the lost. Go to the confused people right here in the neighborhood. Jesus does not only teach them, but he sends them. There was a sending out because faith must be applied. Faith must be applied. Like medicine. If you buy medicine, right, and you have an infected infection, you buy medicine, you say, all right, I got the medicine. I, I know this is going to make me well. But if you never take the medicine, if you never apply it, it cannot cure you. It does not matter. And in the same way, faith without application, and, and hear me, this is, I'm, I, I'll be strong. Faith without actually applying the faith that you have makes your soul sick. It makes your soul sick. If we get faith and religion and we get all this information, but if we do not apply it through our normal daily lives, it will make our soul sick. It will. And, and, and faith will become theory, and it cannot change your life nor anyone else else. Faith must be applied. It must be applied. And, and Jesus says, you don't need to travel far. You don't need to travel far. You don't need to go to missions trips to China or to North Korea across this country. I mean, we can go and these are awesome things to do. But the mission we have is right where you are. God has called you to this area. Right where you live is where God has you. And think about that for a moment. We think about the mission of God as this, that, and the other thing. Maybe it's something altogether different. The mission that God, that we're called to is right here. God has placed you right next to your coworkers, to your crazy neighbors, right? You might be the crazy neighbor, right? Yeah, John, you are the crazy neighbor, right? To your family, to your community, to the people at your school, to the people that you work with, to the people at the gym, People right next to you who need your attention, who need your wisdom. I'm telling you, I know you're thinking, oh, what do I have to offer? People need your wisdom. 
People need your attention. People need your love, your experiences. There are some things that we have gone through that, that we can help people that before they go through something so much rougher, we can get in their lives and say, hey, what you're doing is, is a bad idea, right? Have you, uh, have, you ever seen some, have you ever seen something that you think it's going to be about, it's, it's about to be a car wreck? And, you, and if we say nothing, then it's, it's on us too. God has placed us there because that is the mission God has placed us in. Let us be, let God, let Jesus open our eyes. They also need the hope of Jesus in you. You don't need to go far, Jesus says. Verse 7, tell them that kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchable, kick out demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. And, and, and I just want to say that. If you, got, if you have been treated generously, live generously 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 open up your life if god has blessed you with uh, provision open up your life if god has blessed you in your life if god has been generous to you live generously do not be fickle with your life you have one life to live and when we hold it for ourselves hold it for ourselves and hope it's the best for ourselves you will never understand what god has called us to be op live open-handed I, I, many of us, we live in a closed-handed way because you know what? Everything in the world, everything on TV, everything in media, every, even our parents, they tell us it's about us, right? Oh, and how are you going to feel? How are you going to do? And so we keep on tightening our grips of life, and we push people out. And, and, the, and some of the biggest poverties that I see in the, in the community that we live in is there is a family poverty and there's a social poverty. I don't know about you, but you can be surrounded by people in Thornton, Colorado, and be totally lonely. You can deal with deep depression and have nowhere else to talk to, nowhere else to go, no one else to belong to. And, and, and this should not be, but that's, that's, that's what we're a part of right here. There's a social poverty. Mother Teresa came to the United States and, and said that our poverty in the United States is way worse than the poverty in India. How would someone say that? Be shocked at the poverty that we deal with because it's a social poverty. People are so alone and broken, and we accept it as, oh, that's okay. That's cool. And, and I want to tell you, those who feel that way, you are all, we are also part of the problem because we say, well, won't someone reach out to me? Won't someone help me? So we are, even our mentality is wrong. What if we moved in a way, says, God, use me, even though I don't feel like I have anything in my hands. Can I be a part of the mission that you're on into my neighborhood, God? So it says, tell them the kingdom is here. Tell them the kingdom is here. And, and I believe this. And it's in, 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 in Matthew 10, it also says this. If you want more for your life, more purpose, more meaning, more fulfillment, stop focusing so much on yourself. You're like, but I want more, John. <laughs> It, 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 Jesus says, if you want to gain your life, you got to lose it. Think about that. If you, if you want to lose your life, you will gain it. So it is the flip-flop of everything. Uh, Christ, Christianity has nothing to do with wanting to get more and more. It's, I want us to start losing our lives to something, to people, to people that God has placed us in our lives. Start losing your life. And you will find it. That's what Jesus says in, uh, in, in Matthew 10, just in a couple verses beyond this. And he says, that's how we find the heart of God. Uh, look at the person right next to you. Yeah, look at them right next to you. Look at them. Look at, tell them nice haircut. 
Nice haircut. Did you just dye your hair? That's so nice. I don't even see, like, oh, you don't have split ends or anything like that. It looks beautiful. No white hairs at all because you color them nicely, right? But just look at the person next to you. Do you know the person right next to you is the most spiritual thing that you will ever see for the rest of your life? We make things a lot really spiritual. I was reading this, uh, this uh, sermon called The Weight of Glory by uh, C.S. Lewis. And he was saying, that, did you know that your neighbor, if you would have seen your neighbor, just imagine one day Trent in, in his exalted body, like the way that you were going to be one day in heaven. The, the immortality of Trent. If you would see him like that on, on that day, you would treat him on, different on this day. If we would understand how immortal, how beautiful the person right next to us, how utterly spiritual, more spiritual than anything else that we can hold in our hands in view right now, right in this moment, we would treat people differently. We would treat our neighbors differently because people are the only things that are eternal. There's nothing else eternal in our lives. Think about that for a moment. What else is eternal that we can hold on to? What else can we bring into heaven? There is nothing else. So, and if that's the case, how do we treat people made in the image of God? Kyle is made in the image of God, even though he's awfully large and has big arms, right? He's made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. How do we treat God's image? How do we treat that image? I know some people who are made in the image of God are very rough to deal with, right? Super emotional, right? They are having really bad days. But guess what? They're still made in the image of God, and there's nothing more spiritual than them that you will ever come across in the, for the rest of your life. Can we view God with a mission that God, if you go through creation and the creation story in Genesis 1, there, and what is that story all about? There's only one time that they, if you ever read uh, Jewish literature and you understand when they repeat the same thing four times, you have to pay attention to it. And that's what the story is about. They repeat things when in Jewish literature and in the Bible, when they repeat things, that's the main point of the story. Okay. And four times it says in Genesis 1 that people were made in the image of God. Guess what that story is about? God's relationship with people, right? And that people are the most important things in creation, that they are made in the image of Christ. And so we have to take interest in that. And, and I want us to do this. Talk to people. When's the last time you talked to your neighbor? Does your, do you even know your neighbor's name? Right? Some of you, yeah. I know one of them, right? Do you, do you know their name? Do you, know, do you take interest in what they're interested in? Have you ever invited them to your house? Or we can do it Jesus style. You invite yourself to their house. <laughs> Jesus, many times in the Bible, he's like, hey, Pam, I'm going to your house. Okay. <laughs> Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. He, Jesus is funny. He didn't only invite people to his place. Many times he invited himself to your place. Like, hey, I'm going, coming over. I don't care how messy your house is. It's probably not messy. It's perfect, right? Yeah. Gino's like, no way. But he's like, I'm going to your house today. We're having dinner today because people are more important than things and how messy your house is, right? Uh, I was, uh, I, was I, I, I went over to Mark's house the other day, and then Julie called, like, is something wrong? Like, because I'm a drop buyer. I, it does, I know that not everyone likes drop buyers, right? But if I'm near your neighborhood, I know where you live, I will drop by. 
And, and, and so I, I, dr- I dropped by Mark's place, and Julie was like, is something wrong, Mark? Is, is, are we doing something wrong? No, I'm just dropping by. <laughs> I just say, uh, that's what we do. And, and, and I, I want a church that we understand in community that, that the point of church is to live like Christ in community inside our community. Do you know what that means? We live as a group inside this community that God has called us to. And so that is so important. I want you guys to learn to drop by, learn people's names. I I feel so sad. Some people have been here for a long time, and I've not even learned your life story or things like that. And I I ask you, can, can I? Can we? And I can't do it alone. This is not a John show. This is not John's church. This is Jesus's church, and we're all a part of it. And, and if we can come with understanding that you belong before you even believe, before you believe the same of me, you belong here. You guys belonged here before you even believed. That's just a part of it. And that's how Jesus moves in the church when we will deal with these things. Right now, there's older, uh, there's, uh, there's couples in here that have been married over 10 years, right? You, and there's young marrieds in here that have been married for one year. Guess what? They need your wisdom. There's young marrieds in here that are going through struggles. They need your wisdom. They're like, you know how crazy we are? Yeah, we know how crazy you are. But they're crazier because they've been married for like two years or one year, right? They have no idea what they got themselves into. You can give them wisdom. There's singles in here that just need dinner. They're, they're just done with ramen for another day. Invite them into your house. They just want non-ramen meal. And, and we're even called to that, just to invite someone into your house. Trent, you can come over and eat some turkey or some ramen with turkey in it, right? Whatever, yeah, I make that too. And, and there's families in here that are families. There, and, and I say this, you, what's worse than being single and alone is to be married and alone. And married and feel alone. And a lot of marrieds feel alone. And you know what? You don't wait for someone to invite you into their house. Sometimes you ask them, can you pour into my life? I'm, I'm new on this journey with Christ, I, or I'm struggling right now, and I just need uh, people to pour into our lives. Can we be honest here? We're not all together, no matter how we look, right? Right? If you looked in, we all have the crazy closet, right? I always talk about in my house, there's the closet next to the, next to the door, the front door that we don't allow people into because things fall out when you open it, right? We all have crazy closets in our lives, Right? So we don't, what, the worst thing that we can do is pretend that, that everything's okay, that we're good alone when we are actually called to one another to live as Christ in community inside our community. I believe that's what we are called to do. And verse 9, it says, don't think you have to put on fundraising campaigns before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need is to keep that going. It's three meals a day, travel light. Tell the person next to you, you are the equipment. You're the equipment, Kyle. You are. You're the equipment. It's not just me. It's not just Paul. It's not Trent. We. It's not just life group leaders. We are the equipment because we are the church together. We are the church. And wherever you are, there goes Jesus. There goes hope. There goes love. It's not a building. It's you. And if you want to see the power of God in your life and in the lives of those you love, be the church that Jesus talks about. And think of it this this last way. What did Jesus, this is a big question, right? What did Jesus do in his life day to day? He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. He went to the wrong parts of town on purpose, right? He invited himself to dinners at people's homes. He brought races together. He did. He brought social economic classes, the poor and the rich together. 
And that is what the, the vision of what the church should look like. Now, if Jesus was living in Thornton, in your neighborhood, in your house, what would he be doing? This is the question we should ask almost daily. If Jesus was working at your workplace, what would he be doing? Figure that out and do that. It's not, don't make it complicated. Just open our eyes and listen, people who live in, in, in our culture that is so busy, open your schedule. Open your schedule. It's so funny. I was, uh, Paul and I, we were talking last night. It's so funny. If we want to meet someone, oh, I can meet you at 6. No, make it 630 because I have something between 6 and 6. Our schedules are so packed full of things that, uh, that there, it's almost impossible to have any other thing in our lives. We just pack it up, right? Pack it. And, and, and can we commit to at least the people in this room or a couple people in this room that you have access into my life whenever? That's the community of Christ. You have access to my life. Rico, you have access to my life. You know, you have access to my life whenever. There's a couple people in my life that always will have access to my life. If they want me, if they need help for anything, like like your toilet's overflowing, I, there's people that I'm like, I need to call because I'm not a handyman, obviously, I told you, right? And I can't, there was one time my, our toilet was stuck, and it was stuck for like three weeks because I would not call anyone. And Candace just yelled at me every day, our house smells like pee, John. And then I'd yell at the kids, don't pee in that toilet, it's broken. And of course, what do the kids do? Yeah, I'm sorry I'm talking about pee on Sunday, but that's what's going on. That's real life stuff. But who has access to your life in this way? Figure that out. Don't make it complicated. And at, at, as, we, as we are ending today, I'm going to just, just read the last verses from the book of Acts. And the book of Acts was the start of the church. And I just want to tell you what happened. First was Jesus was resurrected. He got up. Death could not hold him. History cannot explain the explosion of Christianity except that Jesus was resurrected, right? And 50 days later, here comes Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but empowered people with all nations speaking in all tongues, with all cultures. At first, God came to the Jews, and in this moment of Pentecost, he said all nations, all people are brought to Christ. So this is a beautiful, beautiful moment right here called Pentecost, right? And now Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks boldly to anyone and everyone who would listen that the Son of God entered into our world. He took on flesh, living the perfect life that we could not live. He took on the punishment for our sins. He died on the cross, was put in a tomb. Three days later, he was resurrected by the power of the Spirit, showing his sacrifice acceptable in the eyes of the Father. And our response to understanding this is repentance and faith. Repentance is turning from our sins and, and faith is putting our hope in Jesus for our salvation. That is the gospel in 30 seconds. That's what we believe as Christians. That's the gospel. And in Acts 2, 37, it says, now when they heard, they were cut to the heart. When they heard Peter, these people were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what, should, what shall we do? And the word, when the word of God pierces your heart, don't just stand back and say, oh, that was a good message. That was good. I'm going to continue to live on whatever I'm doing. No, if you've ever been cut to the heart, you, when you can literally sense God speaking to you, and, and it's different than a good speech, and it's moving your soul, a God moment is happening you got to do something. You, you must respond. 
for me, it was December 15th, 2001. I don't remember the message. I don't, I don't remember the person even speaking, but I knew I'd encountered Jesus. It was, a, it was a crazy day, and I was so far from God. I was not the person I am today. That's why I believe when we sing about amazing grace, God can save anybody because I was so far from God. I was in such a dark place. I had no affections for Jesus, none, right? But on that day, I heard the gospel, and it gripped my heart, and I was cut to the heart, and it literally shattered the barriers that I had built up so that no one could hurt me. And many of us in this room, we live with such barriers in different places of our lives, and we put this up so no one can hurt us in this place. And what it's actually doing, it's keeping you away from people who love you. And I remember that moment. I felt so alive. I had so much peace. I had so much hope. And it's been a process of knowing Christ. So what do we do when we encounter Jesus? They, it says in, in, in Acts 2, uh, 20, uh, 42, they devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. And it's the word devotion. Say devotion. Devotion to one another. That's point one. They weren't just attending church. They weren't sh- uh, shopping for the right place that fit their needs. They were devoted. They said, I'm putting, I'm putting some roots down. I'm devoted, devoted to, to the teaching, devoted to the people here where God has me. And they, they said, people are sacred. They made people sacred, right? And, 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 and in our culture, biblical community is really foreign. And it's really hard to, for me to tell you, like, how close these people were. They were close. And they're like, oh, but they're not close like family. No, they were closer than family. Some of these people, they were kicked out by their family, and that the church family was the only family they had. They were that close. They were, they were like blood. They were, they were like, the way they lived life was like blood family. They were devoted to one another, and they were devoted out of their obedience to Jesus because our community is a picture, a, 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 a physical representation of what the gospel represents and what we share to others. The community is a picture of Jesus and what acceptance looks like, what love looks like. This community, when we do life together, it should be what acceptance looks like, what love looks like, what devotion looks like, what missionality looks like. And yes, we're messy, right? And devotion to one another is hard, uh, but our, our lives together gives the weight to the gospel we talk about. Our lives together gives the weight to what Jesus has told us. Number two, devoted to the mission. You need a mission, all of us. We need a mission. You, if, you, if you don't have a mission, you're just existing. And, and, and sometimes just existing is as much pressure. <laughs> I think it's more pressure than having a mission. When you don't know what you're, you're here for, that is such a weight that it drives the mind crazy. I don't know about you, but when I don't know or I don't feel like I have a purpose, I lose my mind. I lose my mind. I, we were built for purpose, and we were built for Christ. And so when we try to fill our purpose with money, guess what? You'll get there and still be empty. When you try to fill your purpose with sex and things, you'll get it. And you'll still be empty. I'm telling you, relationships, you will have that relationship. And guess what? Wherever you are, 
There you are. We say that around here. Wherever you are, there you are. If you're messed up now, just because you put yourself somewhere else doesn't mean you're going to be less messed up. Because wherever you are, there you are. And what we need is a purpose. What we need is a mission. And these people were devoted to a mission, a life without, and, 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 they, and it kept them from being stagnant. When a church or a community does not have mission, it's stagnant, it gets toxic, it gets inclusive. When we are without a mission, it becomes a club. And if, and if devotion just stays within this, these walls, so devotion has to move from one another, and it moves out. If it only stays within these walls, we fail. Christian community was designed for mission. Church without mission will rot. And I, I want to call us to welcome people far from God, to love people when they least expect it and least deserve it, to reflect Jesus right where you are. And I, Christianity is not escapism. And I don't know if you've, someone told you it's just a ticket to heaven. Christianity is not a ticket to heaven. It's not. That if someone has told you that, you've never read about Jesus. Christianity is not escapism. Christianity is to drive and to jump into this life like you never have before. And find the beauty in this life like you've never have before. And I pray that today that we would encounter Jesus and that people would encounter Jesus through you. Let's just take, bow our heads just for a moment. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to food and prayer, which all of it I like. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. I hope today that you have not lost your awe of God. I hope today that you, you are not over your salvation. I hope today that we have never lost our awe of the cross. How can, when Candace was seen, you could see, when you think about the cross in your mind's eye, you could see the love in his eyes. To lay yourself down. That you came to bring the broken to life. That was the beauty of the church. They didn't need more stuff. They met just simply. God was enough. And it started with a mission. And as we close today, I want us to remind ourselves that we are the church. We are the equipment. You are right where you need to be. Don't ask God, God, take this away, that away. Maybe there's a lot of things that maybe it's, it is like addiction and things like that. Yeah, God, well, we do need to ask for help in those areas. If you're in that, please ask for help. But you are right where you need to be with the people that you need to be. God placed you here. I read a statement that said this, I would rather embrace people who could hurt me than shun someone away who's dying for my love. I believe this is so true with us today. Yet people don't even know how lonely they are. We keep ourselves busy, surrounded by people, yet we're lonely. We're unknown. If that's you today, I hope that you would be bold enough to step into a life group or to ask someone right next to you their name. Invite yourself over for dinner. Get to know some people ask for prayer you want to see God show up you want faith to be exciting you must take part in community you cannot do it alone and Sunday church is not enough that's just a day where we celebrate 
We need to do life with people and take part of a mission much bigger than us. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, Lord, I know there's a lot of information I gave out, but more than anything, I just wanted people to catch a vision of your church, what the church around the world is doing. They're devoted to one another. They're devoted to you, Jesus, and they are devoted to a mission. And I pray that Hill City Church in Thornton, Colorado, and the surrounding areas where we're from, that we would get a hold of Jesus and see the eyes of love for us and see that you're for us. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is with us, dwells in us. If you're in this place and you need, you feel lonely and you need just, you need to get connected, if that's you, just raise your hands. I just, is there anyone here? Thank you. Anyone in here that I can, and if our leaders can just put their head up and just look. Anyone who would need to be connected? You feel like you are been a part of this, but you're not a part of this? Family? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, and if you're in here and you feel far from Christ, and you know that you need to get your heart right, if that's you, I just want, if you need Jesus today, just raise your hands. Anyone in here? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that was raised today. You are raising the broken to life, God. You are renewing their spirits. You are forgiving them for their sins. But you don't only want to forgive them. You want them to walk in the newness of life. And I pray for those people who have responded to your gospel. I pray change their hearts right now. Let them have a moment with Christ. And as we leave this place, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, Lord, raise up new leaders and people who are so affectionate for you, so in love with you, Lord God, that they can't even hold it back in their heart, Lord. Let it that develop in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Man, give God praise. But I mean it. If you need someone in your lives, please, you can, you can shoot a Facebook message to me because now no one's out of bounds now with a Facebook messenger. Anyone can reach anyone. <laughs> but uh, just, or, or, you, or you can contact the church on our website. But I want you guys to get connected. Reach out to me, and I will, I will connect you to the best of my ability. I don't want you to be here for years and, and feel alone. I want you to be connected. God bless you guys.